brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is Jillian from San Francisco, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore because I have better things to do with my time. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this 178th episode of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host. Jesse Dollimore, and sitting sickly across from me, the lovely, yet tired, yet intelligent, and super under the weather, Brittany Page. You see how I'm trying to lift up the energy level, Brittany? Yeah, you're going to have to try harder than that. (laughs) Not doing enough. What a terrible time to be sick for you. (laughs) It is the worst. I mean, you have no more classes left. But you have one final 15-page paper due and before presentations. Friday. Oh, and you still have presentations? Yep. Oh, I didn't know. I and thought... the final draft of my thesis proposal. Well, not the final, final draft, but another draft of it. Huh. I have other things going on. But yes, this 15-page paper is currently my main obstacle. And you can't breathe out of your pretty little nose. I can't. Sleeping is really miserable. <laughs> We made a joke before we started the show that um, possibly I will be taking NyQuil on air. <laughs> Stay st- tuned for I, if that might happen. I still think it's a great idea. <laughs> because you, you well, have the NyQuil bottle right there. Yeah, you should shake it into the microphone. Oh, yeah. Slosh be slosh. The, the glop <laughs> gloop. It is disgusting, and every time I drink it, I, I gag, and so that makes Jesse laugh. I don't know... What kind of sadists they have working over at uh, Vicks or whoever makes NyQuil. Mm -hmm. But they're a bunch of pricks because NyQuil might be the worst tasting substance that's been created. Right. And it's almost 2016. I mean, they can't make this taste like cupcakes and chocolate chip cookies. Of course they can. Well, why don't they do it? They make vodka that tastes like birthday cake. Why can't they make fucking NyQuil taste even relatively palatable? Because it's, I make the joke, and I've made this joke for years, that I can drink a warm glass of Maker's Mark bourbon out of a dead hobo's boot that we found in the dumpster with no problem. But it's pretty I, gross. I gag at the very smell of NyQuil. Yeah, and this one is like the original flavor, that, so I don't know what that, that means. That bluish green hue. It's not, not even really a color. Yeah. But cherry is worse, though, so... <laughs> I don't know. This one, it's like kind of licorice without really committing to the licorice flavor. Mm-hmm. No good. Mm-hmm. Why don't you do it? Why don't you uh, take a little... Uh, you can't do it now. Yeah, I'm not ready. You're, you're I'm pa- not ready. You'll pass out before, <laughs> before the end of the show. 
So the other thing I want to talk about, other than your general malaise, is the fact that I want to start a new segment on the program. Um, I, we, we have of late kind of struggled with what to talk about in the, the intro segment at the top of the show, the, kind of like what we're doing now. <laughs> Where usually we like to talk about our lives and, you know, get to know our audience or let them get to know us a little bit other than just the, the hard opinion and analysis type of, of stuff that we do during the show. Well, I, I came up with this idea today because a friend of mine texted me. That's that's a verb now, texted. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to know if I'd been in the White House press brief, briefing room mm-hmm. because I used to work on Capitol Hill. And I had to tell him, no, I, I haven't. I haven't actually even been in the White House, believe it or not, having worked on Capitol Hill for as long as I did. However, it made me think that would be an interesting kind of a... Not like an Ask Prudy, not like an advice column type of segment for us, but like a, a Q&A with Brittany and Jesse or a, a Q&A with J and B. Mm-hmm. I was going to say B and J, but it's too, too BJ-ish. Yeah, yeah. So I want to start a new segment, Q&A with J and B. Actually, that, that's a working name. If you have a better name, which I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure someone does. Yes. We want to hear it because... This will be an opportunity for you to call in 657-464-7609 or to email us a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtedatdollamore.com. Actually, there's a new contact form on the website. It's contact the show, and then there's a separate link for Jesse and Brittany. There's a few new links there. You should go check out the website. But I want to utilize those methods of communication for you to ask us specific questions. I mean... Most of them, I think, will answer. Some, maybe not. But if I can't answer, maybe it'll lead us to another story that I haven't thought to talk about on the goddamn show. So, without further ado, one, think of a good name for this segment. And two, start asking us questions. Huh? What do you, what do you think over there, Sicky? I think that sounds real good. <laughs> And I thought we were going to talk about something different, so I'm a little confused. What What did you think we were going to talk about? My Shakespeare encounter. Oh yeah. Now it's kind of hard to work in, but let's uh, let's talk about that. Okay. Miss not afraid of confrontation and didn't know how to tell that guy to fuck straight off. Okay, so what happened was <laughs> I was sitting in the hallway at school. And it's like a secret place I like to go. So I'm not going to talk about it. Um, it's a very secret area. <laughs> and someone... Well, it's just not very well trafficked or right. heavily trafficked. So you get some privacy. Right. Yeah. Not enough, apparently. Because I was <laughs> sitting there and this guy came up to me and he said, Hey, do you have a minute um, to talk about something? And I was like sure um and i thought he was gonna start like proselytizing yeah that's immediate jesus talk yeah it's either a multi-level marketing scheme like amway or jesus it's one of the two okay well i thought it was jesus or like he was gonna ask me out or something so Mm. i was trying to figure out like okay how am i gonna deal with it with like turning him down and then how am i gonna deal with him trying to convert me to jesus um (laughs) but what happened was he just started reciting Shakespeare and after you gave him the go ahead. Yeah. So he like, I was sitting on the ground. He, um, bent down and is just looking right in my face 
and reciting Shakespeare for like two minutes. And I'm sitting there... Just very just solid recitation. There, he wasn't uh, reading anything. No, right out of the top of his nerd brain, huh? Yeah. Wow. And then he handed me a little Shakespeare card and a little chocolate, which I assumed was poison, so I gave it to someone else. <laughs> and yeah, it was wow. It was a very awkward experience for me. I didn't under. I didn't want to interrupt him. What I think it was is he is in you know like Eng- English. I think maybe he's an English major or like a theater major or something. And he, this was an assignment. He had to walk up to someone or several people and recite this Shakespeare, whatever it was. And you look just, just vulnerable enough for him to approach you. Yeah. Which isn't, that's not typical Brittany Page behavior because your, your face usually, I don't know how to put this. It uh, it usually has a very um, mm, how do I say it in a nice way, a very unapproachable look on it. <laughs> yes, uh, like whenever someone asks me for directions, I'm always like, oh, that's nice. Like they felt like they could approach me. Right. Um, I don't think that's a normal response. Usually, people are like, ah, fuck. You're like, oh, well, that's a that's a change that they felt comfortable to walk up to me and ask me a question yeah, out of I'm the like, blue. Yes, of course, I will help you. <laughs> I have been waiting my whole life for people to ask me for help. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, that's good. Has uh, Have you ever seen The Nerd again? or No. Or, <laughs> or had that happen? Anything like that before? No. No. Hmm. It was first. It was really uncomfortable. I was like sweating because I was nervous. I'm like, I don't know how to handle this. <laughs> this is so awkward. He's staring deeply into your yes, eyes. Yes. I'm like, what is happening right now? With just a, a, a wild, creepy nerd gaze. Yeah. Just staring d- nerd daggers into you. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, my dear. I can't do it. I was well, going to do the... Uh, the 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 nerd down his mom's basement, but I can't do it with like a Shakespeare thing. That just doesn't work. Are you sick too? No, it's my nerd voice. It's not working. It's not working. Something's I just off. can't. I can't do it. I can't do mm-hmm. nerd. Mm-hmm. I'm just so fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> no. Are they? Are they still saying cool these days? I am. Um, I like to say coo. Coo. Yeah. Real coo. coo. So. Let's let's move on from that riveting story about the uh... <laughs> what you are not very nice. Uh, we have a little feedback when well, we have a, a listener email. But also, first, I want to say that I am right now. Brittany has a glass that she's not really drinking because uh, she is sick and sniffly and whiny. Well, I'm also getting ready to take NyQuil. So but I am enjoying a beautiful Pinot Noir that was sent to us by Listener Devin. Mm-hmm. In Ohio. Thank you very much. What an awesome, uh, I guess, Christmas present. Also homemade muffins. Yeah. Speaking of, you know, might be poison chocolate. No. <laughs> no, it was very, it was a very nice surprise um, when I got home to see that. And that was very nice. It was just Course. so nice. Awesome. We have awesome listeners. Yes. Not run of the mill listeners. <laughs> they are they are spectacular. Mm-hmm. Tremendous, tremendous listeners. Especially Devin. So we have listener feedback. We got an email from one of our listeners, and I'm this is only the second time it's happened on the show, but I feel a little uncomfortable given a name. So they will remain nameless 
only because I didn't write him back and say, hey, are you sure this is for the show? But if we keep it anonymous, then we're good to go, right? I mean, we're indemnified from violating their trust. Yes. So without further ado, here we go. Hi there. Enjoy your show very much. Wish I hadn't chickened out for the Thanksgiving show. It made me cry and take a good long look at my life. It was helpful. I'm sharing this because I have no one else to talk to about it. The following is an excerpt of an interaction I had with my father late last night. The topic was Donald Trump. Me. And the thing he said about his daughter was so gross and... If Ivanka weren't my daughter, perhaps I'd be dating her. (laughs) Just to give some context. Mm -hmm. One more time. If Ivanka weren't my daughter, perhaps I'd be dating her. <laughs> and then the listener's dad said, all he said was that if he weren't related, he'd, he'd date his daughter because she's pretty. There's nothing wrong with that. Me. Dad, it is gross. Dad. I've said it about you. Don't tell me I've never said it. I think you look good. That you'd be so pretty if you put in a little effort. I put my hands up in the air and the I can't discuss this any further or I will explode sign. Dad rants on about how he's not voting for Trump, but doesn't think he's a bad guy and blah, 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 blah. Effort means lose weight and wear makeup. I am in the process of the former. When I started, I told my mother to instruct my father that he is not to say anything about it to me. It worked for a few months, but I once said something about my progress in his presence, so now he says stuff all the time. I want to particularly thank you for spending so much time talking about this on the show. For years, I tried to convince myself that I'm the weird one for being uncomfortable around my dad, thinking his comments about my body or my mother's body or that actress who just had a baby or who is no longer 22 are inappropriate and gross. I feel better now. Thanks for listening. That's awesome. I'm, uh, I get a little, a little choked up. It's, I, I really appreciate the fact that we have listeners who, who, who feel connected enough to us to share the intimate moments of their life with their family and their struggles and their trials, it, it means a lot. Probably way more than you, than you even know. It's uh, very meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. It would be nice if, you know, especially parents realize the influence that they had on, that they have on, you know, kids. So when they're saying, you know, you'd be so pretty if you put a little effort in. I mean, that is truly, yeah, you know, very, very rude. And um, I don't know. I, I was told that kind of stuff, too, when I was younger. And we had Allison on the show. You know, she had very similar experiences to this kind of thing as well. And I think talking about it is really beneficial because you realize, yeah, it is happening to a lot of people and maybe it makes, you know, you not feel so alone. Well, what I don't what I don't get and listen, listener, I'm not I am not. Well, I'm just going to say it. <laughs> I think it's weird for for a, a, a parent to say something like if Ivanka weren't my daughter, perhaps I'd be dating her <laughs> because what do we think? What what does that mean? Everybody knows by dating he means fucking. No, he means going and like sharing a soda. Yeah, they're gonna at go the to soda an, fountain. They're gonna go to an ice cream social. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna like have two straws in one Coke bottle, and it's gonna be like <laughs> yeah, a cute it's little... like Lady in the Tramp with the spaghetti <laughs> in the alley. Everybody knows what that means. Perhaps if Ivanka wasn't my daughter, I would be fucking her. That is what that means. That is why everyone was repulsed on stage as he sat next to his daughter and said that. 
You know, if only he would have phrased it like that, because then I think people would be reacting appropriately to it, right? Right. Because that makes me very uncomfortable, what you just said. Well, it should. And it should, right. It's a terrible, creepy thing to say. It's weird for any parent to make a comment like that about the kids and and your own kids saying, I don't understand that. That's weird. (laughs) Anyway, so like I said... I'm not making an indictment on your father that he's a chomo or, or, or an incest guy. But if he was to analyze the statement, he probably means it as a compliment that you are pretty and you're even pretty enough for me if, if you weren't my daughter. But that's it's just not thought through. It's, it's not. And, and if, and if it, like you said at the beginning, if if parents really thought about the things that they said and the impact that they would have and the, that weight that would be carried by the child for into adulthood and beyond, ah, damn, I think they would be a little smarter about the words that they they use. Anyway, thanks for the email. As always, if you too would like to sound off, I doubt it at dollamore.com is the email address. So let's move on to a little follow-up. There is a a few details that have been released relative to the San Bernardino terrorist attack, and we want to cover them before moving on to Dalamocracy. It appears like the FBI is doing one hell of a bang-up job at digging up details, whether it be the, the, the past communications over the course of the last three to four years of Saeed Farouk, and also the connection between the gentleman who bought the guns, this Enrique Marquez, and also the fact that Enrique Marquez was part of a plot that was planned, an attack that was planned here in Southern California, I think in 2012, but they 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 abandoned the plan because there were several terror-related arrests that had gone on right around that time, so they got cold feet. A longtime friend of terrorist gunman Saeed Farouk faces likely criminal charges for providing the rifles used in the California mass killing, the Daily News has learned. Enrique Marquez, 29, remained a free man Wednesday as the investigation into the ISIS-inspired slaughter continued, but it appeared he faced imminent arrest. Marquez reportedly checked himself into a mental hospital after the shooting and has also been tied to the killer's family by marriage document show. The family connection comes as Marquez reportedly confessed to investigators that he and Farouk planned a 2012 terror attack in the United States only to abandon the idea after they became spooked. So the FBI is earning their money in spades because they are uncovering lots of details even uh, this $28,500 loan that was taken out by Farouk and his wife prior to the attack. So this New York Daily News article is quick to note that Marquez legally purchased the weapons so that he could keep Farouk's name off the paperwork. So that was kind of the, the intent of that situation. And then what you're talking about with the loan, Farouk took out a bank loan for $28,500, About half the money was given to Farouk's mother in the last couple of weeks, one official said, and some of it was spent on household items. Investigators have accounted for all the money and do not believe any of it was provided to the killers by any outside entity backing the plot. Which is good to hear. So anyway, I guess I guess all in all, just to to sum up the follow up would be 
that they are digging deep into their pasts and finding out that they were radicalized long before ISIS. I mean, this was a this was a oh, in the works kind of thing. This is definitely premeditated. This loan could be another sign that Farouk had been preparing for the attack, though. Tim Clementi, a former FBI counterterrorism agent, says what it indicates is he was financing this operation or his life or his afterlife for his child and mother using what is now wire fraud and bank fraud. So it's just two more additional charges that the FBI will be looking at, even though he's right dead. You're not charging a dead man. So let's move on. Support for I Doubt It with Dolomore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I Doubt It with Dolomore. Also, just a reminder that the 15th, that is only six days away, holy shit, uh, the, the, the GOP debate is on the 15th, and then the Democrat debate follows that directly on the 19th, and those will also be Patreon only for the first month, and then I just release them because they're a month old and nobody cares. <laughs> All right. Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So as you've probably heard, Donald Trump this week, it really is a race to the bottom with this guy. Uh, just, he is, it's, he's in competition with himself to see just how crazy and xenophobic and racist and putrid he can get. It's not just statements like this that define him as that. If Ivanka weren't my daughter, perhaps I'd be dating her. <laughs> it's, there are so many. I've got an entire soundboard here that I probably may or may not pepper this entire segment with. <laughs> Excessively play. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Unnecessarily. As you've probably heard, Donald Trump came out and announced a plan that he has to stop all Muslim immigration, not even just immigration, tourism, stop all Muslims from entering and living or visiting the United States of America. So what we're going to do here is play his four and a half minute speech, because it, it's not even a speech. He actually just takes the policy paper, the, the, the press release, and he reads it, speaking in the third person, because he is just that awesome. So, we put out a statement today. We watched this, and it's impossible to watch this gross incompetence that I watched last night. And we put out a statement a little while ago, and these people are going crazy. They won't report it properly. Shall I read you the statement? <laughs> Donald J. Trump is calling for it. Now, listen, you got to listen to this one, because this is pretty... Pretty heavy stuff, and it's common sense, and we have to do it. Remember the poll numbers, 25%, 51%. Remember the poll numbers. Okay, so remember this. So listen. (laughs) Donald J. Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States until our country's representatives 
can figure out what the hell is going on. We have no choice. We have no choice. We have no choice. According to Pew Research, among others, there is a great hatred toward Americans by large segments of the Muslim population. Most recently, a Hang on. I, you're over there. You're champing at the bit, too. That is not in Pew Research. Well, one, <laughs> that isn't, that is not in Pew Research. However, I would say this, that there are large portions of the world everywhere who have deep hatred for the United States. You don't have to be a Muslim to not appreciate the United States. Right. You know what I mean? Well, and Donald Trump isn't doing us any favors in that <laughs> regard. So, Right. He's Right now, he is the chief cause of people's hatred and angst toward our country. Paul from Center for Security Policy released data showing 25% of those polled agreed that violence against Americans, these are people that are here, by the way, people here, 25, not 1%. By the way, 1% would be unacceptable. 1% is unacceptable. 25% of those polled agreed that violence against Americans here in the United States is justified as part, think of that, as part of the global jihad. They want to change your religion. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, think so. Pushing all the buttons. Happen. As part of the global jihad, and 51% of those polled agreed that Muslims in America should have the choice of being governed according to Sharia. You know what Sharia is? 51%. Sharia author authorizes, and I, look, this is, I mean, it's terrible. Sharia authorizes such atrocities as murder against non-believers who won't convert, beheadings, and more unthinkable acts that pose great harm to Americans especially women. I mean, you look, especially women. Tough stuff. And we have a president that won't even mention the term. And you're talking about numbers like this. Mr. Trump stated, without looking at the various polling data, it's obvious to anybody the hatred is beyond comprehension of such a big portion. Where the hatred comes from, and why? We will have to determine. We're going to have to figure it out. We have to figure it out. We can't live like this. It's going to get worse and worse. You're going to have more World Trade Centers. It's going to get worse and worse, folks. We can be politically correct and we can be stupid, but it's going to get worse and worse. Until we are able to determine and understand this problem and the dangerous threat it poses, our country cannot be the victim of horrendous attacks by people that believe only in jihad. These are people only believe in jihad. They don't want our system. They don't want our system. And have no sense of reason 
or respect for human life. They have no respect for human life. And there's a protester who gets shouted down by the crowd. That's all right. He sounds like he's very exhausted. It's all right. He's tired. So they have no respect for human life. So we have to do something now. So <laughs> it's probably a little bit too much Trump. That was way too much. But, Trump. but I wanted to put his comments in context because I'm sure everybody's heard, you know, snippets and maybe a 10 second soundbite. But I wanted our listeners to have the full context of his remarks that in his con in, in the context of his remarks, the original remarks, he didn't say, oh, only temporary. He, it's a permanent thing he's talking about. He is a, I mean, he's a racist. He's a bigot. He is bigoted against Muslims. Islam itself, regular run-of-the-mill Muslims don't pose a threat to the United States. They pose no larger threat to the United States and our security than Christians do. We just had nutbag deer. What's his name? Robert Louis Deere. Robert Louis Deere, who just was pled guilty to the, the murder charges in Colorado Springs. And he said as a reason, his reason for doing it was, what was it, Brittany? I'm a warrior for the babies. Yes. So he's, he's a Christian terrorist. No, he's a warrior for the babies. <laughs> right. Now, that's not common. I don't think that's common. I'm not saying it's common. However, religion, while not completely equally dangerous, they are they all hold and possess a certain level of danger to modern society. So, in the course of just a few hours, Donald Trump was called out and not just by Democrats. The, the chairman of the Republican National Committee, Reince Priebus, he came out and chastised and spoke against this. Paul Ryan, the new Speaker of the House and former vice presidential nominee, he said no. And all presidential candidates. I mean, some uh, were quicker than others to condemn the comments, but... Well, he he went on a he went on a press tour the next day. He talked to Chris Cuomo. He talked to the the clip I'm going to play next is when he was on Morning Joe on MSNBC, which is hosted by Joe Scarborough, former Republican congressman from Florida, and Trump did his classic trying to talk over everyone, not allowing questions to be asked. He bogarts his microphone time filibusters until the segment's over so they don't actually get to ask any questions. Joe Scarborough, he wasn't having it. Paris is no longer the same city it was. They have sections in Paris that are radicalized where the police refuse to go there. They're petrified. The police refuse to go in there. We have places in London and other places that are so radicalized that the police are afraid for their own lives. 
we have to be very smart and very vigilant. We have to find out who gave this guy $28,000, put it in his account. How many other $28,000 checks were made? Are there thousands all over the country? When you say you're afraid, I think you should be afraid. You should be afraid of the other side, not my side. Well, I want to get our hands around a very difficult situation. All right, all right Donald. You've got to let us ask questions. Go you ahead. can't just talk. No, you got to let us actually right. ask questions. No. You're just talking. All no, Muslims. No, no, no. I'm not just Donald, talking. Donald, Donald, Joe, Donald, Donald, Donald. You're I'm not going you to keep facts. talking. We will go to break if you keep talking. We're going to ask you questions. Go to break. Go to break, everybody. Go to break. Go to break. Go to break right now. We'll be right back with more Morning Joe. So I love the way that he handled that, yeah. obviously. And I think that more reporters need to be handling him like that. And when he's not answering the question, saying, no, we're going to we're going to end this thing right now unless yeah. you answer the question. Right. Um, but I want to go back to what he was saying about the um, twenty eight thousand dollar check. And he's saying, how many other checks have they written? Who's writing the check? Who's sending the check? Yeah, we figured right. that out now. So that's all you need well, to he's, do. He's speaking prematurely. Right. You need to wait. Any facts are in. He's making a determination of what happened. Right. Quit being like the worst people on Facebook. <laughs> well, and act too like late. act like a presidential candidate. Yeah. And wait until we know the information, and then you can start talking. Don't just hear this information and then go and create a meme on your phone and put it on your Facebook and your Twitter feed and start sharing this narrative. Am I going to check every statistic? <laughs> See, they're, they're going to come in handy. They're really going to come in handy. Yes, they are. Maybe. We'll see. Well, it wasn't just Morning Joe that gave him a hard time. The other candidates came out and disavowed his plan. Because, again, keep in mind, this wasn't an off-the-cuff remark that he made. This was a written document that they took time to think about. They put some time and effort into this, and he read it. It was prepared. So, I guess, let's start with... Before we get on to the different Republicans who had bad things to say or negative things to say about his plan, let's start with the White House. This is an official statement from the White House from Josh Ernest, the, the White House press secretary. The Trump campaign for months now has had a dustbin of history-like quality to it, uh, from the vacuous sloganeering to the outright lies to even the fake hair. Uh, the whole carnival barker routine that we've seen uh, for some time now. The question now uh, is about the rest of the Republican Party and whether or not they're going to be dragged into the dustbin of history with them. With them. And right now, the current trajectory is not very good. Not very good. Earlier this year, House Republicans elected to their leadership somebody who famously bragged to a reporter that he's David Duke without the baggage. Without the baggage. Earlier this month, we saw that the executive director of the Senate Republican Campaign Committee was advising candidates about how they could ride the Trump wave. Wave. And just today, today, today. the newly elected Speaker of the House said that he would vote for Donald Trump for president if he's the party's nominee. Now, I know that each of the Republican candidates has already taken an oath pledging to support Donald Trump for President of the United States if he wins the nomination. But the fact is, the first thing a president does 
when he or she takes the oath of office, is to swear an oath to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. And the fact is that what Donald Trump said yesterday disqualifies him from serving as president. And for Republican candidates for, for president to stand by their pledge to support Mr. Trump, that in and of itself is disqualifying. They should say right now that they would not support Donald Trump for president. What he said is disqualifying. And any Republican who's too fearful of the Republican base to admit it has no business serving as president either. It got a little political at the end there, and it's not fair. I mean, it's politics, so there's really no not fair. But when he says that they need to just disavow him completely and they're, they're, they're scared of the Republican base, it's not that Republicans are scared of the Republican base. They're scared of Donald Trump running as a third-party candidate, which he's already threatened to do just today. And if he does that, they are guaranteed to lose the White House. So they have to, if they want any chance of winning an election, they have to kind of be strategic about how they deal with this asshole. Right. So the day all this happened, he did go on to his Twitter and he said, a new poll indicates that 68% of my supporters would vote for me if I departed the GOP and ran as an independent. So he's kind of dangling that out there. Just, you guys are going to call me out, Paul Ryan, you're going to give a speech, really? Yeah. You're going to start attacking me and what I'm saying? Well, here's this. All yeah. these people will vote for me if I run as an independent. Kind of like a threat. Yeah. And shocking because we've talked about how that paper that he signed doesn't mean anything to him. Right. Well, he's, again, he's not, you know, class, class, class. I'd like to take some money out of her fat ass pockets. Right. President, you know, wanting to be president of the United States. It's sick. So on to the Republicans, who did have some, some more harsh words than others. First, let's start. Actually, let's, let's just do two. Let's listen to Lindsey Graham. Brittany has a, a warm, soft spot in her heart for Lindsey Graham. I do like him. Let's start with Lindsey Graham, who didn't parse words about what he thought. I mean, I like him in like you know he's kind of like lovable yeah i know what you mean but i don't like everything about him yeah, obviously yeah he's he's you know a, a little bit on the nutty side policy wise i just have to qualify because you never know what people might think about me saying that <laughs> right. so here's lindsey graham talking about donald trump what is your reaction to hearing what donald trump says i disgusted well, I want to talk to the Trump supporters for a minute. I don't know who you are, and I don't know why you like this guy. I think what you like about him, he appears to be strong when the rest of us are weak. He's a very successful businessman. He's going to make everything great. He's going to take all the problems of the world and put them in a box and make your life better. That's what he's selling. Here's what you're buying. He's a race-baiting, xenophobic, religious bigot. He doesn't represent my party. He doesn't represent the values that the men and women who wear the uniform are fighting for. I've been in the Air Force for 33 years. I retired this June. He's the ISIL man of the year, by the way. He just got back from Morocco a week ago this Monday. I know. We interviewed you live from there. You were with mm -hmm. Senator John McCain, and you were going to, to Iraq to get a status report. What, what were they saying there about 
all of this? The military leadership and the diplomatic corps. Now, we have young men and women in harm's way all over the world, particularly in the Mideast. They were concerned about this rhetoric because the enemy will use it against us. Um, so what was a concern last week has to be DEFCON for this week. Because what Mr. Trump is doing, and I don't think he has a clue about anything, he's just trying to get his numbers up and get the biggest reaction he can. He's putting uh, our soldiers and diplomats at risk. He's empowering the enemy. And this ban, if it's actually enacted, would take people who have been interpreters, who came to our side in Iraq and Afghanistan, who are under siege in their own countries, and basically becomes a death sentence for them. You're saying he's empowering the enemy. Yes. You draw a direct line between his rhetoric and what, recruitment for ISIS? Yeah, they use that to turn uh, the region against us. Our diplomats and military commanders were very worried when the guy was going to burn the Koran. Remember that, the guy in Florida? Yep. I've been there 36 times. I can tell you that most Muslims, most people in the faith, reject this radical ideology. The reason we'll win this war is because very few fathers and mothers want to turn their daughters over to ISIL. The way you win the war, just don't kill terrorists. You invest in the lives of others. Young people in the Mideast are less sectarian. That's where we should be investing. Giving a young woman a voice about her children in the Mideast is the ultimate uh, antidote to terrorism. That's how you win the war. A hopeful life versus a glorious death. And what Mr. Trump is doing is undercutting everything we stand for. He's undercutting how you win the war. He's empowering the enemy, and he's putting people at risk who are serving our country. Now, he's never served. Going to a military high school, Donald, is really not military service. You've never worn the uniform. You've never been uh, on a, a Ford operating base. You've never been at a PRT as a member of the Department of Justice or the Department of State. You've never been a USAID worker going into some devastated poor area in Iraq and Afghanistan trying to help our country by helping others. So knock it off. You're putting people at risk. He is empowering radical Islam. And if he knew anything about the world at all, you would know that most Muslims reject this ideology. And they've died in, by the thousands trying to combat this radical ideology. You're undercutting their efforts. You're slandering their sacrifice. You're marginalizing what they're trying to do to make the world a better place. You know how you win this war? You side with people in the faith who reject this ideology, which is 99%. And you know how you make America great again? Tell Donald Trump to go to hell. Wow. Wow. That is a sign-off. That is a, is a soundbite. So I wonder if Lindsey Graham will go up in the polls after this. I, God damn. You, you would hope so. Listen. Like him or don't like him, there's nothing there that was bad. Nothing he said there I disagree with. Well, it's also ballsy for him to do that. Well, he's got nothing to lose. Right. Well, I mean, you don't hear other candidates coming out Absolutely. and talking like yeah. that. I mean, John Kasich has recently started pulling out punches, but yeah. generally the candidates are trying to be you know, even keel with Donald Trump. Not in this particular case, though. They, they have all come out in one way or another, except for this next guy, Ted Cruz, who doesn't, for the record, I don't want anybody to think he does agree with Donald Trump on this matter, because he has said, that's not the way I would do it. I don't agree with that. But he, in the face of his disagreeing, he had this to say. I do not believe the world needs my voice added to that chorus of critics. And, and listen, I commend Donald Trump for standing up and focusing America's attention 
on the need to secure our borders. So, so he commends Donald Trump for his. He wants to give him a commendation for his efforts to secure our borders, even if it's through unconstitutional means. Even if it's through discrimination. <laughs> He's, he really is. He's a coward. He's afraid. Because he knows, because Donald Trump has said it time and time again, as soon as Ted Cruz comes out against me, I'm going to hit him hard. Tremendous. It's going to be huge. Tremendous. Well, also, Ted Cruz is rising in the polls. Right. And he's seeing that. And yeah. so he's thinking, well, what I'm doing is working. So I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, which has been being, you know, Donald Trump's like water boy. You know, they're yeah. like their best friends and hugging. Yeah. Hugging on the campaign trail. Yeah. They get along the best out of any of the presidential candidates, it seems, to right. outsiders. Yeah. So I think he wants to keep that going for as long as he can. That's disgraceful. Almost as disgraceful as your stuffed up nose. Not quite, but pretty close. You know what's weird? <laughs> I, I, what is weird? Is how I still am doing the show. <laughs> because All right. I'm awesome. All right. Yes. I know what crazy is. I know all about crazies. So the other thing I wanted to say to go back Not real quick. What was that? What? Huh? Was something said? <laughs> The other thing was during his diatribe, Donald Trump's diatribe, he he talked about how uh, there are no-go zones in both Paris and London where the police are too afraid to go because those are Muslim neighborhoods and they've been completely overrun and taken over by extremists. And that's just not true. Uh, Boris Johnson out of London, he came out today and, and I don't know the exact words, but pretty much said, you know, F U D T, you know, or D B or D B D T. You're a D B D T F U. I would like everyone to know what's going on behind the scenes because I'm drinking water mm. because I'm sick and I'm trying to keep my throat lubricated. And, um, <laughs> last time when we did the show, Jesse was editing, and apparently he could hear my gulping, the gulping of my water as he was editing the show. He had to edit it out, and so now I'm having to like maneuver my head away from the microphone, and it's very <laughs> awkward and putting me in a very awkward position. So just to let everyone know, that's what's happening. Try getting it out. Go ahead. <laughs> that was a pretty good one. All right. That was fitting. So... Before we move on, uh, away from Donald Trump, there's one more thing. We covered last time how Ben Carson spoke to the Jewish group, the Jewish Republican group, and was apparently very hungry for a Middle Eastern snack because he kept on talking about hummus. Well, <laughs> Donald Trump spoke to this same Jewish group and couldn't stop talking about how they are shysty negotiators. Oh, you wacky Jews, you know how to really get a good deal. I'm a negotiator like you folks. We're negotiators. Do you want to renegotiate deals? We, some of us renegotiate deals. I would say about 99.9. Is there anybody that doesn't renegotiate deals in this room? This room negotiates. A, I want to renegotiate this room. Perhaps more than any room I've ever spoken to. Maybe more. It's okay. I've, I've been called on that a couple of times, too. 
you're not going to support me, even though you know I'm the best thing that could ever happen to Israel. And I, I, I'll be that. And the re I know why you're not going to support me. And, you know, you're not going to support me because I don't want your money. You don't want to give me money, okay? But that's okay. You want to control your own politician. That's fine. Good. But I will tell you, think about that, folks. Think. Don't worry about it. I understand. Hey, I, five months ago, I was with you. Who was better than me? Who is better than me? I gave $350,000 to the Republican Governors Association. I never even got a letter of thank you. Well, they don't seem very offended. Well, it's, I don't know. Listen, if you're in a, in a room full of black people and you're saying the word nigger over and over and over and they laugh, it doesn't mean what you said wasn't racist. You know what I mean? Views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. Even the word can't be said, huh? I like how my silence was just enough of a cue for you. Well, lucky I was on the right page to hit the button. Yeah. Otherwise, it would have been a catastrophe. You can, Brittany Page. You can talk however you want. Don't. So all, all I'm right. saying is their laughter doesn't take away or or lean credence to the fact that what he said was racist that's racist talk <laughs> yeah I, it, it made me very uncomfortable to listen to that also it sounded like he was an auctioneer in the beginning of that clip i i think i asked you did you edit this together because the way he was speaking was so well you heard how he was doing his material and he wasn't getting the the the, the response that he wanted and at the very end he was kind of like uh this crowd uh like, what What was he doing? <laughs> I have no nuts. idea. I don't know. Yeah, crazy. So I just want to note, because I've been seeing a lot of headlines, um, and I just saw one right now. A Muslim store owner was assaulted in Astoria, Queens last weekend, and the NYPD is investigating the incident as a possible hate crime because the store owner was told after he was attacked or during the attack, um, quote, I kill Muslims. Um, wow. And apparently there's been a number of anti-Muslim attacks across the country. Last week, someone threw a pig's head at a mosque in Philadelphia. Yeah. And the NYPD is investigating an incident in the Bronx that happened last month in which three sixth grade boys allegedly put a Muslim classmate in a headlock and tried to remove her hijab, calling her ISIS. So there... God damn. There are... I'm laughing because kids are assholes. Okay, that's what I was wondering. So there are real consequences. I'm teasing. <laughs> we don't need that again. There are real consequences to this kind of um, speech from Donald Trump. And you... I, I agree 100% with that. And when you see his crowds, okay, especially with the kinds of people that are attending his events... And when you say see, you mean see them with your eyes. Or even just hear them. They are, yeah, it's... They are cream of the crop. When you hear how they treat the protesters that are there and, you know, I don't know. It's just kind of a scary time. And so when Donald Trump is is saying this and now there's, you know, a number of anti-Muslim attacks, this is very concerning. And we talked about it, you know, last week and we're talking about it again. And I think it's because this is really important. And I think a lot of Muslims are probably fearful to be out in public and having these Donald Trump supporters wandering around feeling how they do. Yeah. 
it's kind of it's kind of scary. You wouldn't have your job if you weren't beautiful. He's he is one of a kind. You know, when the New York Daily News has the the, the new Führer, they're using Führer, not like German Führer, but Führer like Fury. And he they caught him with a pose where he's got his hand up like in the Nazi salute. That they're not far off the mark here. He is proposing very Nazi-like fascist policies. And there is a wide swath of America that seems to be supporting him. It's scary times. Very, very scary times. So speaking of racism that makes Britney uncomfortable, Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia recently said something ridiculously unconscionable while this is the thing that really just fucking got under my skin the most was he said these things that you're getting ready to hear or you're getting ready to have Brittany read to you while listening to oral arguments while sitting on the bench of the Supreme Court of the United States. During Wednesday oral arguments in a Supreme Court case on affirmative action, Scalia argued that black Americans do not benefit from race-based quota policies, quote, they're being pushed into schools that are too advanced for them, he said of black students. Most of the black scientists in this country do not come from the most advanced schools. He said they benefited from, quote, a slower track. Scalia has long opposed affirmative action policies in higher education and is almost certain to vote against it again in the future. I don't, uh, listen, God damn. Well, you know, it's just weird because, so he's saying most black scientists in this country do not come from the most advanced schools. They benefit from a slower track. I mean, it's wildly offensive, but tell that to like Neil deGrasse Tyson, right? Harvard. Yeah. He went to Harvard. He's the most notable scientist right now, probably in America. Right. No, and not no, notable black scientist, just notable scientist. Right. Just period. Right. I mean, he's one of the most prominent, um, popular science educators. Oh yeah. Right now, he is reaching the masses and effectively doing it, doing so. And he's making a you know this isn't about you know kids who come from poverty he's not making an argument based on resources he's making an argument based on race strictly on he's race. saying black americans they're being pushed into schools that are too ad- too advanced for them the right. group of people black americans <laughs> right. this is horrific it's almost 2016 when am i going to start feeling like i'm in 2016 and not 1950 well, like what- here's here's the thing that fucking just gets me all freaked out is what does he think that all like all black people they go when they go to college they all just get funneled into the ivy league system or our elite university system there's no blacks in community college there's no blacks in state schools they're all in these elite expensive you know, top tier schools. It's ridiculous. If you score, I don't know how the new SATs work, but it's like on a 2000 point scale, right? I think 2400. Okay. If you score, you know, 1100 on your SATs, it doesn't matter if you're black or not. You're not getting into Harvard. You're smart and you performed well and you earned it. If you get into Harvard, it's just the way it is. They're not going to dumb down their their student base because of the fact of, of color of your skin. 
Now, someone, they might have more black students come in because of quotas or whatever, but they are qualified black students. And for Antonin Scalia to say this while sitting on the bench of the Supreme Court of the United States is appalling. It's the, it is one of the drawbacks of having appointments for life, that he gets to be a curmudgeon old racist bastard with a shotgun, get off my lawn, you kids. I mean, that's that's what he is. He just has a black robe on. It's it's deplorable. It's embarrassing. Oh, well, he's 79. Yes, of course. I didn't know he was 79. Old fucking turd. Appointed by Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Well, Ronald Reagan, he appointed some liberals, too. Don't get all crazy. Well, I'm just saying. Yeah, he, I know what you're just saying. He was appointed by Ronald Reagan. Hmm. That's what mm-hmm. I'm saying. All right. Well, we're going to leave you somewhat happy. (laughs) This is a study that we're going to talk about that research confirms the best way to alienate everyone that you text. Isn't that right? That is right. Are you trying to prepare? Are you done yawning? (laughs) I'm sick. Are you done? Are you done yawning over there? I'm sick. Okay. In a study that will be published in February 2016 in Computers and Human Behavior, a team of psychologists from Binghampton University. I'm probably the least racist person on earth. Why? Will you? Somebody's doing the raping, Don. (laughs) All right. It has been too much, Donald Trump. You are hating my guts right now. I'm not happy for several reasons. When are you going to drink the NyQuil? So being Hampton... Just move on. Okay. (laughs) Showed that undergraduate students... Binghamton, by the way. I'm almost positive it's Binghamton. Just by hearing you mispronounce it, I think I've got a a gauge for what it is. Okay. Normally, I would have you edit this out. But the thing is, (laughs) I'm really too sick and tired to care at this point. Okay. So psychologists from... This university showed... I don't frankly have time for total political correctness. Eventually, you're going to get through this. Okay, they showed... Under- Every time you pause because you, you, you're having a tough time because you can't breathe, I'm just going to fill the, the blank space with a little Donald Trump. No. <laughs> okay, the psychologist showed undergraduate students a series of text exchanges and handwritten notes and asked them to rate the sincerity of each sender. The messages either contained or left out periods at the end of sentences. Participants were significantly more likely to find the senders of period punctuated texts less genuine than the senders of unpunctuated texts. Really? But when the notes were handwritten, period use didn't seem to change sincerity ratings. So this is an example that they give. Texter number one, do you still want to get dinner tonight? No question mark. Texter two, sure, period. Texter three, wait, are you actually sure? No worries if you're busy. Texter two, yes, period. Really? (laughs) So it's with the period, they're kind of insinuating that it makes it a little ambiguous to read. Like you can't tell if you actually mean. Or if it it denotes like sarcasm. A period means like, uh, sure. (laughs) 
Right, because there's a certain way that we've become accustomed to communicating within text. And it is unusual to see a text message come through where, where it just says yes and has a period at the end, right? That's kind of unusual. I don't know. Okay, so short written... Does she have a fat ass? Absolutely. Short written missives, like texts, lack contextual clues such as the real life facial expressions and speaking volume that usually tell us what a person means beneath what they say. The results of this study suggest that as we shift more towards speedy online exchanges, we may be inventing new ways to convey tone, which include the creative use and interpretation of punctuation. So leaving out periods, including periods, that's conveying something about tone. Hmm. Apparently. That's weird. I mean, listen, there obviously there's some rapid evolution taking place relative to our communication. Even like I said earlier, that texted when I when when I first started texting or what was called SMS at the time, if you would if you texted the word text, I'll just text you. Or text the word texted wasn't a word. It mm-hmm. would always spell check. Mm-hmm. And now it's it doesn't spell check that anymore because it's become a word. Right. There was no need. Texted wasn't a verb before. Now it's a verb. Indeed. They also did a follow-up study and they found that exclamation points in texts make senders seem more sincere. Hmm. I, so, I'm, an exclam- I'm an exclamation point user in text. Well, you're a real sincere guy, so that makes sense. <laughs> And this article notes, it's from QZ.com, that what they'd really like to see next is a study of the ellipses. Hmm. I'm an ellipsis user, too. Yeah, so the dot, 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 what does that mean? You used to think, remember this? You used to think that it was, like, dismissive of whatever you said before in whatever text before. If I would reply and say, yeah, that sounds great, dot, 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 you, you used to... I don't remember what it was, but something was negative about it, you thought. No, I think that is the case. And that's because I know someone who has an attitude problem and they... <laughs> they <laughs> Only use, one, huh? Well, several. But this one in particular uses dot, 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 and they have that kind of attitude about them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, shit, I know all kinds of people Where, like it, you know, they're, they say something in text and it's you can tell that they're being very... Trumpish. Dismissive, and they have an <laughs> attitude problem, yes. Right. All right. Well, with that, with this very full Donald Trump episode, we will leave you. If you would like to give us a nice Christmas present, do us a nice favor, a mitzvah of sorts, why don't you go to iTunes and review and rate the show in iTunes? If you are a new listener, and you have just coming around to loving the sound of stuffy-nosed Brittany Page, why don't you go to iTunes and express to her through a review that you believe... Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Like so many other listeners, we would really, really appreciate it. We love you. Oh. What are you? Oh, you're going to do it. She's going to do it. No. Here we go. I, I just smelled it. NyQuil, no. do it. I'm not going to do, do it. Do it. You got to chase her right there. Do it. I'm chug, not going to do it. I don't know if do this it is, for the microphone. I don't know if this is two tablespoons. It is. I measured it. Do it. I don't think it's two tablespoons. Do I it. think it's more. Brittany Page. Uh. <laughs> oh, I'm going to pass out. That was real good.
Okay, I didn't gag, but... <laughs> you shuddered. There was a lot of shuddering going on. Oh, my on. God. <laughs> oh, that's the greatest thing that has ever happened on this show. Except for not. <laughs> wow, that is just beautiful. God damn, it's so disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just... Jesus, that's bad. Oh my god, <laughs> so bad. <laughs> what a way! What a so way bad. to finish the show. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Until then, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been. I doubt it. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>